Welcome to Rethink Retail, the show where we dive into the stories and strategies behind some of the most successful brands on the planet. From brick and mortar giants to e-commerce disruptors, we uncover the secrets to their success and deliver the keys to true retail transformation. So ask yourself, are you ready to rethink retail? The future of retail starts now. Welcome to Rethink Retail's podcast. We're live from the North America Mars Wrigley headquartered in North America here in Newark, New Jersey. With me is Deepak Jost. Deepak is global head of One Demand Data Analytics Solutions for Mars Wrigley. Thank you for being here, Deepak. Thanks, Kirat. Really looking forward to having this conversation. And I mean, everybody knows Mars. Everyone knows their products, M&M, Skittles, Wrigley Gums. Obviously, Snickers is my favorite, but a little bit of history of Mars. Mars is about a 100-year-old company, does over $50 billion in sales with 145 approximate associates around the world. And recently, uh, I believe Mars was named to one of the best places to work by Forbes. And, and my question to you, Deepak, is it more about the principles and values and the five principles of Mars, or is it just because you have unlimited Snickers and, and M&Ms in the office? Oh, I love uh my M&M's in the office. But see, I think uh, when it comes to Mars, I think one of the founding areas which attracts associates to the company is our five principles and the purpose-led culture. At Mars, we say the world we want tomorrow starts with how we do business today. That purpose-driven culture has been one of the biggest reasons why I decided to work for Mars. I always wanted to work for an organization which believes in triple bottom line. How can we leverage the power of technology to drive profitable growth for the people, uh, for the organization's profit, and more importantly, what can we do for the planet? That triple bottom line mindset is there within the company, and the five principles, it always helps. Not many people know about us as a company at Mars. We have one of our biggest division is pet care. We, uh, Mars as an is one of the world's largest employers for veterinarians in the world. So that's a bigger division as well. But uh, I am part of the Mars Wrigley, what we call as our sweeter division. Well, may- maybe you can go from triple P's to quadruple P's and add P for pet at the end next. I don't know. Maybe Pet, that could... and pet parents, yes, absolutely. There you go. Well, look, I mean, you talked about the planet as one of your P's, and I think you've studied all over the planet. You mm-hmm. started with engineering in South Asia and mm. South India in particular, mm-hmm. and, and then... You went and got your MBA right here in GW University, so, mm-hmm. right? And then you went a little bit back. You went back to London, to Oxford, to get a executive degree. I mean, you've studied all over, I feel. Um, just curious about, can you give us a little background on the different methods and concepts in the different countries? And is there one country you're going to next for your education that we should know about? Well, I don't think I'll be going to a new country for any education soon because uh, education is available uh, Every time online, I feel like with the new advent of generative AI, I'm doing uh, one more master's because there is a lot to learn to reinvent yourself. But I think as a leader, I think one of the key themes, this is my first mentor who taught me, I think if you have to be successful in your career, you need to have the ability to continuously learn and reinvent yourself. That learning mindset is a skill set which is going to come in handy if you want to be successful. And I'm a strong believer of having that learning mindset within me, my team, etc. When it comes to learning mindset, I, I've, I've seen all of these countries, the universities that I have been uh, a part of, 
have that fundamental thing with them to educate the students, educate the people, who, and that helps them to leapfrog in their career. Now, my exp- I did my mechanical engineering in India with at NIT Calicut, which was quite different from my business school education at George Washington University, and the economics of mutuality executive program was quite different at Oxford as well. So, I've, I've all of these universities have something unique to offer and uh, something diverse that you can pick up from everywhere. Yeah, I love what you said about being continuously curious. Uh, there's a professor at Stanford, Carol Dweck, hmm. in her book Mindset. She talks about two sets of two different distinct sets of students: the learn-it-alls versus the know-it-alls. Hmm. And she said the learn-it-alls always outperform the know-it-alls. So that learning curiosity that you echo, I absolutely agree with that. Um, you also did say the word Gen AI. I thought we weren't going to say it, but it's difficult <laughs> not to say it mm. in a retail conversation, especially when you're sitting with the global head of data analytics. So let's dive in right there. So look, you were on Coca-Cola's analytics team. Mm-hmm. You're leading the global team here at Mars Wrigley. What can you tell me about how you're developing different actionable insights uh, uh, within AI to empower your associates? Yeah. So I think... Uh See, as a data analytics practitioner, I think AI is one of the many technologies that you can leverage to drive a business outcome. Now, I think my fundamental principle uh, when it comes to data analytics practice is that it should always be business-led and analytics-enabled. So what does that mean? There are, I mean, if you are in the data analytics space, almost a, a decade back, we used to build data warehouses. Uh, for the last five to ten years, people are building data lakes. Yeah. These days, uh, organizations are building lake houses. Right? Like, yeah. So it it, yeah. it is, it it has always been about multiple data foundation, to generate some knowledge and insights to solve a business problem, which will create a small value. One of my fundamental belief is that we need to invert that, and we need to always start with, not with data, but start with business questions first. We need to be in the business of building solutions that solve a specific business problem, which is going to generate a value. And to generate these value and actions, you you can easily understand what is the knowledge and insights that you need to have and what is the data foundation that you need. So at Mars and at Coke also, whenever we are focusing on building capabilities to solve a business question, we have been successful. When it comes to AI or generative AI in, in general, I think one of the biggest aspects that you need to keep in mind is your ability to build systems that can adapt, that can be agile. Because technologies are going to evolve over a period of time. The technology of today might not be the technology of tomorrow. So your ability to build a system which can adapt faster is going to set you up for success. That's my fundamental philosophy. Not Mars, when it comes to the usage of AI, Responsible AI is very important for us. And we say the responsible AI is non-negotiable at Mars. We are partnering with companies like Microsoft, the Responsible AI Institute, to build our next generational standards on usage of AI in the right way for our associates, our customers, and our consumers. Yeah, ethical AI is very important. Mm. Uh, It's nice to know that there is a focus here. You know, as companies roll out AI, it seems like there is a a subsect of certain employees that have a little fear of it, mm. right? It's kind of like that, that 
you know, maybe if it's video creation or knowledge-based answering or whatever the, the, the functionality is, there's a subsect of some employees that fear that, is this going to replace my job? I mean, if you look what happened with the Hollywood strike with the writers, right? I mean, it's happening across the board. It's not just specific to our CPG retail industry. How do you feel about AI, about is it job replacing or job enhancing? See, it is always going to uh, enhance create more opportunities. It is going to make associates work much harder. So I think I want to come back to the five principles at Mars, and I'll highlight uh, three of them. Please, yeah. See, one of our five principles is the mutuality principle. So mutual benefit is always a shared benefit. Only a shared benefit will endure. Now, when it comes to AI and other new technologies in the marketplace, if you are able to drive a mutual value creation for our employees it could be saving their time it can be it can make them more impactful i think those benefits are going to endure so mutual mutuality as a principle is very important when it when we think about uh, these technologies another aspect is our freedom principle mm-hmm. our freedom principle essentially says we need profits to we need freedom to define our future but we need profits to remain free now, to drive profitability or revenue growth or profitable growth, I think AI can be used in the sales function, marketing function, or it can be used in the supply chain function, enabling function, etc. So freedom principle is another aspect. The final thing is about efficiency principle. Mm. So by b- leveraging this AI, what we are essentially trying to do is to build capabilities which is going to long-lasting value for our brands to give a better experience to our consumers, etc. So again, as I mean, it is always great to work for a company which fundamentally believes in these five principles. So we don't need a separate principle for the usage of AI. We just need fits to leverage right that. It, yeah, fits it fits right, right in. It. Yeah, it helps the associates free up their time and be more efficient right there. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that. You earlier talked about your value-led approach. I love that. Have, it has to solve a business purpose and a solution. Mm-hmm. Can you give us a specific initiative Maybe not AI, but hmm. some data science, some hmm. analytical insights that you provided to your associates that successfully impacted the organization or PNL. Oh, absolutely! And there are many initiatives which are already published, and I'll talk about one of the e-commerce or omni-channel capability that we have. Tell us one that's not published. It's just a private conversation with you and me. <laughs> yeah. So, and I think I'll, there are many examples. This one specifically, this is for one of our. Uh, large e-commerce customer. Now, one thing that we have seen in the past is that our associates, both on the sales function, marketing function, they had to go to 10 or more different places to understand what is happening in the business. Mm. What is happening in sales? What is the media spend? What is happening from an out-of-stock standpoint? What is the overall P&L from a financial standpoint? There were multiple systems in place. So with the help of uh, that our data sciences team, we build out an omni-channel analytics capability, which helps the business teams take faster de- decisions building on a single source of truth. So what does that mean? So the team was able to integrate 20 plus different data sources and build a connected data foundation. Oh. Sitting on top of that connected data foundation are feature stacks and machine learning algorithms, which yeah build out the outcomes or the KPIs and leveraging the KPI, our business teams were able to do what you can call it as an AI-assisted execution. Wow. In some cases, it was a completely automated. In some cases, there are always 
human in the loop to take some strategic decisions and this is an example now how does this help from a day in day out basis right now we have seen that these data scientists capabilities have helped build a better experience for our consumers we have seen we are winning in our retailer powered algorithms when it, when it comes to winning the search when it comes to giving the best experience for our consumers to pick the right products for the right time it, it has been helpful so there are so this is one of the example that we are actively seeing and as i mentioned earlier these are capabilities which is not only helping us from a freedom principle driving top line and bottom line growth is helping our associates to save time and uh, from a efficiency standpoint we are seeing that this giving better accuracy for the results that we are trying to publish yeah yeah a, a lot to unpack there and it seems like your your data science team has done a great job because you're a lot further up the curve than most cpg friends and what i will say is i've been saying this from my time at walmart it's building a trusted source for the associates if the associates can trust that source because it's going to be gigo either it's going to be great in and great out mm. or it's going to be gigo garbage in mm. and garbage out mm. the fact that you have the cleanliness of the data the fact that you've organized it you've structured it and now the associates can use that efficiently and they trust it that's exactly. super important yeah and I, that the one, one important aspect is on data quality as well yeah. i think see data quality is something that you invest in and you might not see a immediate return right so data quality building a strong data foundation is a culture in itself uh, and i think in my perspective i think it is you cannot blame a system for a poor data quality yeah sometimes the data is generated by us we just need to have the right kind of discipline to enter the data in the right way manage the data on an ongoing basis that is going to help the case as well yeah data discipline quality and plumbing are so important absolutely, absolutely. yeah great job you know you did touch upon media networks in there you talked about it and you can't help but listen to an earnings call by any grocer or retailer and then not talk about retail media networks yes. it is mm. top of mind that high margin business is offsetting some of the really high wages high costs and the low gr grocer sort of uh, margins that they have and everyone is doubling down and partnering from your lens uh from the CPG lens can you talk respectively how you know retail media networks are a partnership between not only the retailer the grocer the CPG maybe even some SIs mm. or some tech platforms like your CTVs how does that partnership integrate and work so that's a fantastic question and i think see the the ability to influence Uh, our consumers when it comes to the bottom of the funnel i think the retail media networks are doing already a fantastic job and they are starting to help us influence from the top of the funnel as well now i think depending on which retail media network that you talk about i think the different aspects that you mentioned it is going to vary slightly but i think at a high level so as a as a brand see retail media investment is something new and yeah. we are continuing to the share of retail media investment is continuously increasing now for us to have a good investment uh, or to drive a good roas or incrementality we need to make sure that we have a good understanding of where are we investing yeah. so that means that we need to have a single source of truth now like large organizations i mean you would have heard of the story of four blind people explaining an elephant somebody yeah. touching the trunk somebody touching the leg and explaining it different and sometimes 
we need as organization like sometimes a sales function explains our consumer one way marketing might explain the same consumer a different way supply chain a different way because we don't have a single source of truth when it comes to retail media i think one of the biggest aspect that we need to uh, focus on is on building a single source of truth that's what mars is focusing on and i think how can we have the shop marketing work very closely with the national media team which works very closely with the uh, the sales team right i mean so i think that is going to be very important in building out a single source of truth when it comes to see i think algorithms and the technology now i might have an algorithm for today which can change that i think however you are building a system if you are a cpg company and that can change and sometimes we might get a better algo- algorithm or a technology in place and that you should be open to change and driving those new experiments but having a good understanding of how can we drive the best experience you for your to your consumer i think that should take precedence over anything else yeah so i i, I want you to know not only did you say gen ai first but you also said roas first to hmm. just for the record i was wondering <laughs> who's going to say both these hmm. phrases first so again you said it we're in the early days of of retail media networks where are you spending talk to me about now as we talk about in-store digital with in-store being audio and video and where is mars seeing the impact we have so many startups and brands who don't have the big budgets that you guys do where should they be spending i think so i'll tell you how any organization should think about spending yeah okay. yeah tell me that so as an organization you need to have a measurement strategy and a solution to measure these now uh, the way i think about the measurement strategy there are strategic measurement decisions that you have to take and then you have to take tactical measurement decision a strategic measurement decision would be like say if you have one additional dollar to invest where would you put it would you put it in trade would you put it in shopper would you put it in decom or media right mm-hmm. so the strategic resource allocation is very important now let's say we have decided to invest 1 dollar in media right like the additional dollar in media so when it comes to media you need to understand out of the media which channel you should put it put in now there are capabilities like market mix modeling which is already available there for say probably couple of decades now the the way you need to think about it is how are you going to build the MMMs or market mix modeling in an agile way so that you can have more frequency of updates when it comes to strategic investments. Then finally, you need to see how your investments are performing. So you need to have a performance. So moving from strategic allocation from a strategic level at a resource allocation standpoint, which is very strategic to uh, a tactical hey, how is my each dollar working? Having that measurement strategy is going to be very important. now depending on which industry you are in which brand you represent this impact is going to look different now when you think about the kpis for measurement you should think about uh, profitability roi or a sales roi or a retail sales roi th- those are some of the metrics you should also think about long term metrics like retention household penetration could be a metric mm. so the my suggestion is you should think about a balanced scorecard which is important for your organization and build out this comprehensive measurement strategy i love i love that the balanced scorecard approach um you know from a consumer standpoint this kind of brings me back to the it feels like you said it's early days in retail media networks but it also feels like 
Remember it was early days in OTT and everyone was unbundling and getting rid of the cable mm. because they were saving money. Mm. But now I feel as a consumer, I have Hulu, I have Disney, I have Netflix, I have Prime. I, have, I feel like I'm back to the same amount, right? So <laughs> from a B2B standpoint, I mean, when you think about your unified digital media budgets mm. and there's so many different options, do you need to subscribe to all or is it is, is subscribing to Walmart enough because 90% of America lives 10 miles to a Walmart? Or then do you need to do the smaller regional grocers? Do you need to do the larger digital players? Do well, you need to do everyone? That's a fantastic question, right? Like, when this is exactly the why do you need a measurement strategy in place? Now, depending on if you, if you see you are a CPG company in whatever category that you operate in, you need to figure out what is the balance scorecard and what are the key KPIs that is important for you. Now, if you want to improve your digital performance, you know what are the KPIs that you need to focus on. Let's say if you are primarily in a brick and mortar space that you want to drive the growth, what is the KPI? Now, if you're a young brand and if you want to drive on recruitment, you know household penetration is a metric that you might want to use. So depending on your organization, your category, I think the metrics are going to look quite different. Now, I mean, my suggestion to anybody uh, who would want to build it is like figure out what are your key goals that your organization is trying to accomplish and you can make these choices quite fast because see unlike 15-20 years back I mean that your ability to move the funding or make the investment in a dynamic way in more agile ways significantly there in the marketplace so you can make these shifts as it is needed yeah I'm waiting. I mean, we're talking about digitization of the store and how everyone is spending. And we're so early innings. I mean, day one, using Jeff Bezos' day one quote, right? I feel like we're such early innings. I, I feel like we're going to walk into a grocer or our Walmart and Whole Foods and we're going to be like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible where you're just sliding shelves left and right. And, <laughs> right? It's going to be one of those experiences. But as we incorporate the digitization of the store between audio and video and mm. ESL and Who's doing it well? Is it Kroger's Precision Market? Is it Walmart Connect? And who's the one that you're like, those guys, they're incumbents, but these guys are leaders or these guys, I see them in five years doing a great job or? So I think every uh, organization has its own uh, strengths. So I think, would I tell one organization's retail media work network work better than the other one? It is a very tough decision to make because your organization and your partnership might be in different stages now i think that is a call that you have to take with from with, with your strategic partners now i think uh, you will see i think uh, now my perspective is that the faster and as a data and analytics practitioner yeah the faster you build the data sharing agreements the new data sharing agreements with your partners with you i think you are going to make better decisions for both you and your partner so that you can drive a better consumer experience. So I think uh, the key question that I would ask yourself is like, what is your uh, goal to the earlier question that I asked? And uh, all of these partners will be able to do a fantastic yeah, yeah. job. Who, who's the partner that can fill your scorecard the best? Kind of yeah. like what you were saying. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I like that. You know, there's a big focus on health and fitness and a healthy yeah. snacking here at Mars. I, I know the recent acquisition of, of Kevin's Natural Food, I yeah. guess, played into that. 
Can you talk about some of your other brands like Kind and Nature Way and how Mars Wrigley is also looking to push further and cater to that health conscious customer? Absolutely. So we have a health and wellness uh, segment within broader Mars snacking, which uh, Kind uh, Nature's Bakery are part of. If I were to quote our president for Mars snacking, so there is a significant tailwind that we are seeing in the health and wellness category and there is a lot of focus uh, our organization is uh, putting there. Now as a data and analytics practice it's a fantastic time to leverage the data and analytics that we have built for the Mars Wrigley business that can be potentially leveraged for the other businesses as well. So it's a fantastic time as a data and analytics practitioner to understand what different categories are doing and how this category is going to uh, evolve. We do a lot of analytics around the forecasting aspect of it. So it's, I mean, as a practitioner, it's a fantastic time to see more data, different kinds of category and whatnot. I could definitely see the authentic, like mm. genuine sparkle in your eye when you talk about data every time. It's pretty mm. cool, uh, Deepak. You know, what advice would you give to an aspiring young professional who wants that sparkle in his eye when he's talking about data, who's looking to get into the industry today into the data science, into the AI field within retail and CPG. What advice would you give that young professional? So I'm I'm going to tell a I'm going to tell a short story yeah. about this. Yeah. So this is a story about a bridge it's, uh, in the Central American country Honduras. Okay. okay. So in 1930s, uh, so Honduras is the Central American uh, country. They, they're prone to a lot of natural disasters. Okay earthquakes and mm -hmm. whatnot. Now, the government of Honduras collaborated with the U.S. government to build a bridge in the 1930s. And they built this bridge to last, to withstand hurricanes, flooding associated with it, etc. The construction was completed. The bridge is called the Choluteca Bridge. And it became a tourist attraction of sorts. And decades passed by, another hurricane hit the country, Hurricane Mitch. So do you know what happened? Uh, as part of the hurricane, there was a lot of flooding and the river changed its course. Now, there was a bridge which was built to last, but there is no water under the bridge. Now, this is a good story for all of us to learn. And I mean, I read this from Brett Munster at Medium. It's a fantastic story to talk about how you need to build an ability to adapt. Now, if you are a data sciences practitioner or if you are a young practitioner or if you are already working in the industry, if you can build your ability to adapt, learn something new, then you are going to be really successful in this day and age because the technologies are continuing to change. There are new things coming up in the marketplace. So you need to be a continuous learner to be really good at what you do. So for any data analytics practitioner, my first advice is build to adapt rather than building to last because that learning mindset is going to be very good. Now, there are a lot of things to learn. I grew up in India. So there is a quote from Mother Teresa where she said, not all of us can do great things, but all of us can do small things with great love. Mm. And I would love for you to find that small thing in this data sciences field, which you really love, which you are passionate about, and do a great job with it. You can hit the ball out of the park, and you will be really good at what you do. Those are some great anecdotes, and I love that advice. 
So uh, as we wrap this up, I, I know that you're super busy running a global team, but somehow you still find spare time to be charitable, to be philanthropic, and you spend a lot of time with, with, with Toastmasters. Can you talk a little bit about your work there and what you do there and the yeah, organization? Yeah, so I think, uh, see, English is my third language. I'm not a native English speaker. So coming to the United we States. We should have done the interview in, in, in Malayalam. Malayalam or Malayalam Hindi, or actually. Hindi? Yeah, or, that would have been interesting. Or Tamil, which one? Yeah, yeah. Huh? so it would have been Malayalam, my mother tongue. Done. Hindi is the, the second language for me. So essentially, coming to the U.S., I think it was important for me to improve my communication skills when it comes to public speaking or when it comes to uh, meeting leaders across the board, etc. Now, Toastmasters as an organization played a big role. I was uh, a Toastmaster member at Coca-Cola Toastmasters Club. Uh, wherever I've uh, been part of, I am actively engaged there. It not only helped me to build my confidence, it has also helped me to build my leadership skills in general. No, so I always recommend people who reach out to me for mentorship to potentially consider Toastmasters to build themselves as great leaders. Do you know in America, there are more people who are afraid to get on stage than, I, I think it is the second most fearful thing for an, any American to do. People well, would, what's the first? I, I think uh, it, was, it has something to do with shark. I need to check that. <laughs> so, but essentially, uh, see, you just think about it. How can you build the confidence to get up to stage to express yourself? And I'm really passionate about helping people to do that. Yeah. Do, do you actually take a toast after this in Toastmasters? Does that happen? I don't know. No, I, I wish that would have been even fun. Maybe, maybe we can start that. <laughs> Toastmasters too. We, we do a toast in it. Yeah, well, you know, how I always like to end these mm. is with some fun rapid fire. Okay. So if you don't Go mind that. And mm. I, this is so much fun. I, I, I don't want this to end, but let's start right here on the table. Who's your favorite M&M? What color? Oh, purple M&M all the time with the caramel flavor. There you go. Okay. Peanut butter or original M&M? I think uh, peanut butter. Peanut butter. There you go. Snickers bar or Kind bar? I love both, actually. Is that an acceptable <laughs> answer? <laughs> we'll go with that. On Valentine's Day, what chocolate are you getting your wife? Oh, she loves Maltesers or uh, uh, caramel M&M. So that's, that's a go-to place for me. But it's dangerous because you like caramel too. So it's kind of you give it to her and take it yourself. Or? Yeah, I think yeah. it's a tough. I yeah, mean, yeah, it's a good way to express love, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and the last one. This mm. is a tough one. Mm. Rajnikanth or Amitabh? Who's the better in Hindi actor? Indian actor. Uh, in Indian actor, I think depending on which part of India. No, no, no. Who do you speak for to? you? <laughs> who's your favorite, Ra Rajnikanth or Amitabh Bachchan? So I'm I'm a huge Rajnikanth fan because I'm I'm from South India. My wife loves Amitabh Bachchan, so I can watch both of them. Both are fantastic, great actors. I, again, you've chosen both. <laughs> <laughs> Deepak, this was an absolute pleasure. Fantastic. Thank, thank you, you for, for having us. Yes. Uh, thank you very much, Kirat. I mean, at Mars, we say the world we want tomorrow starts with how we do business today. And I think that's my closing comment to everybody listening. And thank you for creating this opportunity. For me. Yeah, thank you. And have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. 
That's rethink.industries/podcastguest. Follow us on Twitter at rethink underscore retail and show some love by subscribing on iTunes podcast app. Until next time.